0: hello hello welcome to this is ours podcast i'm your host amina and this is my podcast where our motto is to be unapologetically intentional so again i want to say a big thank you to everyone who's taking the time to follow listen comment like subscribe all that jazz so this on this week's episode we're going to be talking about grief death and dying and i have a special guest But before I let my special guest introduce herself, personal disclosure. Like most people, I'm not as strange as the grief. When I was 16, my dad, my best friend died suddenly. One day he was there, the next day he wasn't. I think this was where my intrigue into the intricacies of grief truly started from. I remember feeling just so lost. I wasn't sure what was supposed to happen next, where I was supposed to go. And I think since starting my program, I've gone through this like self, Reflective practice of just figuring out my journey through grief and what that meant to me. And I have been surrounded by people who share similar views on the journey of grief, and I'm lucky to have one of them here with me today. So I'm going to let her introduce herself. Okay? Okay.
1: All right. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Olivia. Thank you, Amina, for
0: having me on your podcast. Thank Very you for excited being here. To be here. Okay, cool. So basically, it's just going to be a conversation like every other um, guest I've had on the podcast. And I think I'm just going to start off by just like, what is grief? So sometimes I see grief as this like intruder that creeps in and takes over your life. But like, are we able to take control back from the grief or do we just remain constantly victims his clutches? So like, do we feed into it or do we not feed into it? these questions for me (laughs) sure (laughs) why don't you you go ahead and then i'll just like piggyback off what you say
1: so some thoughts
0: um i think
1: that one of the the things that so you shared your personal disclosure um mine is that my dad died around a year and a half ago and i can relate a lot to some of the things you express about you know they're suddenly gone and um, that feeling of being lost and not really knowing how to make sense of your world Mm -hmm. anymore. Um, How everything sounds and feels different a lot of the time Mm -hmm. um, when you're grieving. Um, I think though one of the things that I am trying to make sense of in my life is that grief is something that we all experience and specifically the grief that comes from the death of a loved one or a family member or a friend it's something that everyone goes through and it's a very human experience and has been happening since, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the beginning of time. And I think that, um, our relationship with grief as part of the life cycle is something that we are less comfortable with and less familiar with as we have become more technologically advanced, mm-hmm. um, less connected perhaps to our communities, to our roots, um, maybe even a little bit less connected to what it means to be human, mm-hmm. which I think is, is you know, grief and um, dying and death is part of what it means to be human. And so I think when it happens, it's unexpected, um, or it can be the way you feel after the death of someone you love. But I, I don't necessarily see it either as an intruder or as me being victim to it necessarily. I kind of, I'm trying to think about this is something, you know, grief is a natural response Mm -hmm. to the death of someone you love or the loss of something that's important to you. Um, And I can't go back, you know, I can't, I would dearly love to, um, but I can't go back. And so how do I continue to live my life with this knowledge of what has happened to me, um, with awareness and connection to the way I feel, and also continuing to do things that are important to me the things that i love um you know to live my life for me but also for the people i love
0: yeah i definitely agree i think um i went through when i was like preparing for this episode i went through this thing where I like googled what is grief and Mm -hmm. it gives you all these articles of like grief grief is this this is what it looks like this is what it doesn't look like and it made me think about how like we're so quick to like box things into certain categories. So like grief is this and right. grief isn't this. And grief grief supposed to look like this and it's not supposed to look like this. Um by the way, so people listening, Olivia had this amazing talk last week about um grief, um, titled Good Grief, which was honestly like what prompted me to even like want to do this even more. But it leads me to my next thought which is like is there a right way to grieve? So I was watching an episode of Asked Me, and like So this show is, like, I don't know if you watch it, but it's no stranger to loss and grief. Um, And at the end of this specific episode, during Meredith's, like, spiel, she goes on to state that the right way to grieve is however you want. Mm -hmm. And, like, that really struck me because I think I was, I've been so consumed with, like, am I doing this the right way? Because maybe if I do this the right way, then, like, there would be, I would be able to see, like, a final, like benchmark of, okay, I have grieved right, and now it doesn't hurt as much, and now I'm okay. Yeah. But then I think what's been very difficult to realize is that there really isn't a right way to grieve, Mm -hmm. and it's not this, like, journey to, okay, if I do it right, then this is what happens. Right. So I guess Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking, I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts on this, like, is there a right way to grieve? (laughs) I do really agree that there is no
1: set right way for everyone in the world to grieve. I think that grief is extremely unique to the individual. It's a very personal experience. Um, so much of it depends on the relationship that you had with the person who died or the thing that you lost. Um, and I agree that totally when we are thinking about expectations of like when we should grieve and what it should look like and how long it should be, I think actually that really constrains us from processing our experience and feeling our emotions because we're mostly concerned with how others actually might be perceiving us Mm -hmm. like can other people tell because you can't tell very well so you're thinking about like how can other people tell that I'm better can Uh they see a difference so you're not actually thinking about you so much and what you're feeling you're more thinking about how are others perceiving you and I think that doesn't lend well to experiencing your
0: emotions. Mm -hmm. Because it leads me back to this, like, five stages of grief. Mm-hmm. And you touched um, on this during your talk, but it's, it's like, I can't remember about the order. It's, like, denial, like, accept- anger, anger and yeah. like, and the final step is acceptance, yeah. right? So, honestly, I don't remember the five stages off the top of my head, but it, it's, it makes it seem like it's this linear progression. Mm-hmm. Like, first, I'm like, okay, I've lost someone, and now I'm like, no, I couldn't have lost them. Right. Like, this isn't happening. Right. And then, like, I'm now angry like oh my gosh why is this happening to me Mm -hmm. and then it kind of leads into this place where I'm like okay I accept that the person is gone and there's nothing I can do about it but then it doesn't give way to like you know being like in denial but accepting but then being angry but then being in denial again but accepting because the thing is like there's things in life that trigger you in ways that you wouldn't think Mm -hmm. um I was telling a story like to on on the day of the talk about how I, w- I had watched this movie, What a Girl Wants, mm-hmm. it's Amanda Bynes in it, and it tells a story about how a girl finds her long lost father, and I had watched this movie before, and I I love movies like that, and I loved the movie, but then it was a couple of weeks after my dad passed away, and I was sitting in a common room with my friends in high school watching this movie, and at first, like, it didn't really occur to me like that there was anything wrong with it, we were just sitting watching, and then I think someone said, like, oh my gosh, like." Um, change the channel, my name is here. And at first I was like, why would you change the channel? And it was like, I didn't even realize when, like, I was triggered and I went and I cried for, like, an hour. Mm. But then it makes me think of the fact that you can't really tell what triggers you, because, mm. like, it can be the slightest thing. Like, I'm walking and, like, something that, you know, my loved one did or didn't do, like, just triggers me. So then do I go back into denial? Like, does that mean I never accepted it? Like, how, how does that work? Great. Right. So I think that that's a really
1: important point because people think very readily that there, oh, there are these definite like five stages of grief, um, and, uh, that idea comes from originally Kubler-Ross's work around, um, studying people's experiences of dying and death. And she proposed that five stage model, I think originally more specifically around the stages of coming to terms mm-hmm. with your own mortality. Mm-hmm. Um, and dying and death and the stages that she proposed were denial anger um bargaining depression and then acceptance and so somehow that got transposed onto like well these are also the stages of grief Mm -hmm. and you're right there's been that idea of like this is a step-by-step process you go through this and the next and then you're you know five stages and you're done (laughs) um and I think that one of the things that grief is is that it's often conflicting feelings you have a lot of you know in the same moment or about the same memory you can experience anger and joy and sadness and shock and like it sometimes just hits you out of the blue honestly Mm -hmm. and it's like a flood of you know people talk about waves or Mm -hmm. like you know it's like being on a roller coaster there's Mm -hmm. just a lot um, sometimes and and people need to be able to move back and forth through whatever emotion they're experiencing it's not you know one and then once you're finished then you go to the next Mm -hmm. one like you can be really angry and then maybe the next day you do kind of feel like I don't know if denial is the right word but it's still like it surprises me sometimes that this actually happened to to me and my family I'm like shocked that it's real that my dad isn't here but I know that he's dead I am not in denial about Mm -hmm. that it's just it's unfamiliar I had my dad for you know decades of my life and and now he's not here and I'm, I'm not used to it Um, and so I think that stepping away from the idea of there are five stages and it goes in this order, and people will transpose their ideas of how long mm-hmm. it should take in total and you know in each stage and moving away from all of that and just being like, you know what, there's gonna be a lot of conflicting feelings. It's normal. You might um, feel them unexpectedly or know that it's coming. You know, sometimes you can know around certain or yeah. days you can anticipate that, oh, this might be a bit of a tougher time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, But, yeah, you know, I've heard of, like, people who maybe for the first year sort of really felt numb and didn't feel a lot of feelings, and then the second year was actually really tough for them. But people are thinking, oh, like, one year, you should be over Mm -hmm. it by now. So people are not um, in that mindset of, like, oh, this person is still grieving and may actually need our support even more now than they did before. Um, You start, you know, one of the things I said was that as your life keeps continuing you understand what it means to live your life without that person and so every time something new comes up that you know for me my dad is not here for it's like oh I have to like process it again like what he's not not here um you know what what does that mean I keep Mm -hmm. learning as I go along what it means um and I think the other thing too maybe this will come up later (laughs) but, but it relates to the stages is that I really believe that we're lifelong grievers I don't know who said that first but it's that our, our whole lives, like, maybe we're not weeping every day, hopefully, yeah. and we can, you know, function and, mm-hmm. and continue to do the things that are important to us, but um, you know, our parents, our parents, our whole life, or our siblings, our grandparents, like, these people are always part of our lives in some way, and I don't, I don't think that we're supposed to get over those relationships, mm-hmm. per se, and move on, like, we're always going to be grieving in some way. But again, because grief is many things and many emotions, it does not mean that we're gonna be just buckets of tears for the rest of our lives, (laughs) Uh you know? Um it just means that we're always gonna be thinking about them. They always have space in our lives. We always know there's a bit of loss Mm -hmm. um there and it may hurt sometimes more than other times and sometimes it won't hurt very much.
0: Yeah and honestly this kind of is a tangent but Mm -hmm. I was also thinking about like speaking to what you were saying about just functioning, functioning like in spite of the grief Mm -hmm. about like sometimes like the guilt that comes with that and just like being it's almost like you're like okay well this happened but now I just have to move on with my life and then it's almost like you know maybe you forget how the person's face looks or you forget their voice or like you, you know things like that and it's like how do you even like move on with the guilt that is associated with feeling like you are just like completely forgetting about this aspect of your life or trying to move on and it's like you're almost not taking that with you Mm. but maybe taking that with you is not necessarily healthy for you because maybe that's your own mode of grieving. Right, so you mean like if your mode of
1: grieving is actually to leave
0: certain things behind? Yeah, to leave certain things behind or... Or even, maybe that's not your mode of grief. maybe you're just trying to like function on yeah. with your life and you right. just find yourself forgetting all these things about this person that was so front to you, Yeah. like what do you do with that grief that is associated with that? Because I can't imagine that it would be something easy to just... I think guilt is definitely something that you
1: experience with grief, um, and it pops up like all the time <laughs> <laughs> in all sorts of expected and unexpected ways. Um, I don't know like, what the total answer is for all people. I think some of the things that help me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, there are certain things that I really felt a lot of guilt about after my dad died. Um, I think talking with people about it helped uh, because that helped to give me perspective and to remember that you know, there are always certain things that are beyond your control, mm-hmm. um, you can't everywhere at the same time like there are some things that are just physically not possible Mm -hmm. um but it doesn't mean that the person didn't know that you loved them and cared about them and things like that so talking about it is something that has been helpful for me Mm -hmm. to gain perspective on things I think something else that helps well just in relation to talking about how easy it is to you know sometimes you forget or you have those moments where you're not sad and then you feel bad mm-hmm. about <laughs> being sad because how could you be happy when yeah. your are in love when it's not here um rituals rituals are are a kind of way of um self-soothing remembering doing something that often maybe involves other people so it gives you a sense of community it gives you some points of connection um and you know maybe you can't remember every day maybe it is actually too hard to do it every day or at least for a while it is but there's a special time that you have actually planned to honor your loved one Mm -hmm. and to do um some kind of you know it could be something like lighting a candle or maybe it's reading their favorite book or going for a walk like it Mm -hmm. could be anything it's not it doesn't have to be super formal or necessarily religious or anything it's just something so that you know like you know i'm going to take this time to think about them and Mm -hmm. honor them and it's okay if I can't do it every day it's really okay
0: yeah uh thank you for that and I think next to bring me back from my tangent um Mm -hmm. was I want kind of wanted to discuss about like so where does the grief go how is it Mm -hmm. processed and I think we kind of touched a bit about this but for me like grief is this constant struggle between choosing to be happy and like relinquishing control to the sadness so like It's like, should I be fueling it into something or just like succumbing to my body's will to follow? Because I feel like for me, what it has been is this past six years has just been like me always trying to be busy because if I'm busy, then I don't have to think about it, which on the one hand is good because I think it's helped me like be able to move forward. But on Mm -hmm. the other hand, it kind of distracts me from processing. Mm -hmm. So like I'm making sure that I'm always, I'm just like moving, moving, moving without taking the time to stop because I'm scared that if I stop, then I'm not going to be able to keep moving.
2: Yeah.
0: But then, you know, there's two sides to it. On the one hand, it's a good thing because then I'm moving. But on the other hand, like, I'm not processing so that's a horrible thing. Um, At least, I I, I don't think it's a very healthy thing. So I guess, like, where does the grief go? Like, how, like, if, like you were saying, we're lifelong grievers but I think for a long time I couldn't come to terms with it because I was like, I can't do this for the rest yeah. of my life. Like, yeah. I, I literally <laughs> just cannot yeah. have this these emotions and these feelings for the rest of my life, like there has to be an end. But then I'm coming to realize that there really isn't one, mm-hmm. which is like really tough to like handle. Yeah. Um, really good
1: points that you raise. <laughs> <laughs> I relate to that feeling of like, I can't stop because if I stop and I'm, and, you know, that fear that I'm not going to be able to start again. It's a very real thing. Yeah. Um, and again, like I, you know, I don't know, the board I'm learning too I think there are a lot of paradoxes with grief um, that you have to put yourself in a really vulnerable place perhaps in order to get past being in that extremely vulnerable place all the time um, grieving is a type of work <laughs> you do I think of it like exercising or going to like Physio after physical injury of some kind, like it's it's not a one-time thing, mm-hmm. and I think this is the other part of like we're lifelong grievers, but that also means that usually we're doing some processing of mm-hmm. some type. Like that, it's not just that we're grieving our whole lives, but also that we can continue to do the work of grieving mm-hmm. for as long as we need to to help us manage um, and process. And I think that everyone. We come to those points of processing or recognizing that, okay, this is not, you know, the way I've been handling this so far is not working for me and I need mm-hmm. to do something else. And it could go both ways. You know, it could be that super active, super busy, and then hit a point where like, uh, I've got to stop yeah. and like actually take care of this. Or it's maybe like people are really tending to their grief and, and then they realize like, you know what, I've got to start doing something else. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it can go both ways. And I don't think that either one is right or wrong. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for if someone is starting to feel like you know i've just been moving moving forward but i recognize that i'm not actually taking time to feel my feelings Mm -hmm. and sort of process what's going on why like why am i pushing myself so much to do all these things um that that maybe that's an indication that okay maybe you're coming to that point of readiness to start doing some of that
2: work Mm -hmm. of processing um and i think because
1: we are social creatures a lot of the work of grieving and processing does come about through social settings which means some type of community Mm -hmm. maybe it's talking maybe it's a creative process maybe Mm -hmm. it's a bit of both um maybe it's something physical you know exercise or like different things but that help us to just not shut out our feelings Mm -hmm. but i think in almost any situation not just grief specific but anything if we are just shoving our feelings to the back all the time, at some point it catches up to <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, definitely. And you're like, okay. And the thing is that when it catches up to you, it might hit you in a way bigger way mm-hmm. that really just knocks yeah. on your feet and you're like, oh my god, now what? <laughs> um, it is really scary though, I think, to think about stopping and trying to process and so maybe maybe it's just doing it in bite-sized pieces like what feels manageable
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um taking a step at a time patience and gentleness with ourselves is so important yeah um being compassionate not judging ourselves either for grieving or not grieving when we think we should be grieving or why haven't I done this like honestly we just come to it when we're ready to Mm -hmm. but I think really listening to ourselves uh, okay if I'm starting to feel a more certain way you know
0: What does that mean for me?
1: -hmm. Yeah, I I definitely
0: agree. I think it's just this, like, battle of, like... It goes back to this idea of, like, the right way to do it. Mm -hmm. But there is no right or wrong way because the thing about grief is that it's so subjective because, Mm -hmm. like, I lost my dad and you lost your dad, but, like, our experiences are completely different. We were two different ages. We were at two different stages of our lives. Like, there's so Mm -hmm. much subjectivity to it that Mm -hmm. I don't think it can ever be, like... Limited into this space of this is how you do it But right. I think that's the difficult thing about it because as human beings we want like this recipe book to like okay If I do it this way, then the outcome is this right, but then it's not as easy as okay Add two ounces of <laughs> this and two tablespoons of this yeah. and by the end of it You'll be a fully functional grieving person, right? So I think that's that's what the difficulty has been and and yeah, so I kind of wanted to talk about the manifestations of grief, and mm-hmm. I don't know why I put it in this part, or why, I don't know. But anyways, so what happens now? Now that the person you love is no longer there, all the plans you had with them have suddenly disappeared. I think that, as I was saying, grief um, manifests in, a various, like, in various ways and takes many forms, which may just be an individual's as attempt. Attempt to cope with it So Mm -hmm. You had spoken about this Very eloquently At your talk about how Like You know There's the Like there's the spiritual There's the physical There's Mm -hmm. the mental There's like So many levels to it Um And like There's no Like And each individual Has their own Subjective like reaction to that manifestation so like whether it be like for me i love tv shows so that's my escape or whether it be like exercise mm-hmm. or you know talking to friends or like searching for meaning or maybe just being angry at the world and not to say that any of these things are right or wrong right. but i guess i'm just wondering what your thoughts are or like just manifestations of grief in general
2: mm-hmm.
0: good question
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> i think actually this is really important because i think that we are not most again from a western societal um, perspective i think a lot of people are not familiar with how grief may show up Mm -hmm. or what it might look like in someone's life so we don't recognize it easily either in ourselves or in our friends Mm -hmm. um so yeah again i think there's like you said there's no set way like you know everyone will show these five Mm -hmm. things when they're grieving kind of thing but there are you know, all the elements that go into being human, um, you know, are are mental, emotional, physical, um, behavioral, spiritual states. Uh grief can show up in any of those spaces mm-hmm. and it you know, it may physically it may look like things like um lack of appetite or being super tired or not able to sleep or difficulty, you know, chest pains, hard time breathing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um it could be a lot of crying or pacing or, like you said, people being angry or maybe showing aggressive or irritable behavior, You know, things that are out of the norm for mm-hmm. that person. They could be um, feel more strongly about their faith, more distant from it. They may be angry at God or whatever higher power they believe in. Um, they could feel a lot of guilt, sadness. They might feel relief that their loved one's not suffering and then guilt for feeling that mm-hmm. relief. Yeah. And some of that just it just continues on I think that often in those earlier days and weeks and months is is maybe when you see at least for me that was when I had more of the like not being able to sleep and the not eating like my siblings were like okay gotta, <laughs> eat. gotta eat yeah now. um things like that I I think just also like a huge feeling of disconnection in some cases and like you're living in a sort of Foggy, mm-hmm. dreamlike, yes. but not happy dreamlike yeah. um, type world. Um, a lot of things that show up that we associate with anxiety or depression also show up in grief, whether it's like that that sadness, that lack of energy, that lack of ability to engage or find pleasure in things mm-hmm. that you used to enjoy, um, things that we associate with sort of anxiety, uh, you know, chest pains and that mm-hmm. super you know nervous energy yeah. and, and things like that um but grief is neither anxiety or depression, depression of itself it's not a medical condition per se um
2: yeah i can't remember now yeah was, <laughs> no no
0: no definitely i think you touched on like exactly what i was where i was going with this yeah. um because i think for me it goes back to this i like what you were talking about being numb mm. it's like maybe like for the first like year i was yeah. just like i don't sure, I don't really know what's going on. Like, I right. filled my, my time with like, things that made me happy. So, like, my yeah. friends were, like, my rock. And it mm-hmm. was, like, as time passed by and, like, as life went on, there was just this one point where it was, like, everything came on, like, head on. And yeah. I was just, like, I don't understand this for, like, three years. Like, yeah. why is this happening yeah. now? Why yeah. didn't this happen three years ago? And mm-hmm. I think it goes back to your point about being... Forgiving to ourselves Mm -hmm. and it was almost like I needed to give myself permission to feel the way I was feeling because Just because it was three years down the road didn't mean that you know There were not things that I hadn't processed because it was almost like I was ignoring it and then I was faced with this like literal like war and I had to like break it down to move forward Mm -hmm. and I think like I was saying I think as lifelong grievers we have to make sure that we give ourselves permission to sometimes feel sad or you know like angry or frustrated and you know like you come you might wake up today and just be upset and that's Mm -hmm. okay and you know forgive yourself for feeling that way because it's not it's 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 a reaction to what has happened to you it's not like you are choosing to be that way and i think it goes back to this idea of i had spoken about this on a previous episode about like This idea that you should choose happiness, which for me is just like so it's so detrimental to tell anyone to do that because it's like I remember someone telling me, Oh no, like it's okay with time or like all those things that people tell you when Mm -hmm. like a loved one dies, no time will heal wounds, like it's and the thing is I get why they say it, because like you just like when something like that is happening to another person, you don't know what to say. Like you why in this like space of you don't know what to say and which is fair enough, but maybe You're not supposed to say something at that time. Maybe you're just supposed to be. But, like, as human beings, we want to be able to help. So you say things like, oh, no, it's going to be okay with time. They are in a better place now. All the things that you know make sense because you probably say that to someone else. But, like, I don't want to hear that right now. Like, I, I remember a teacher coming up to me and saying, oh, God is the father to all the fatherless. And, like, at the time, I was like, why why what are you telling like i was so upset and i remember my friends just looking at her like did you really just say that in retrospect i can see why she said that because it is true but like at that time that's not what like four days after that's not what i wanted like i didn't want you to be telling me this so i think it's one thing to like give yourself permission to grieve but i Mm -hmm. think as bystanders looking at someone we care about going through the grieving process we also have to realize that you know they might not need you to talk or, you know, do something that will make them feel mm-hmm. better because the only thing that will make them feel better is their loved ones to be there. And if you can't do that, then not say that everything else you do is, like, nothing, but, like, maybe all they need is for you to just be there. Yeah. Yeah. You've made so
1: many important
0: <laughs> points. Sorry. Um, no, I kind of no, just, like, rambled on sometimes. No, it's good. I, I just
1: want to reflect on a few of them. Um, one is that point of uh, giving ourselves permission, like, allowing ourselves to feel what we feel without judgment and with a lot of gentleness and grace um i think that you know even there are some types of deaths that happen that are definitely unexpected and traumatic i think that it's it's common for people to perceive that oh if your loved one was sick and you knew eventually i mean we know mm-hmm. everyone is going to yeah, die at yeah. some point so it's like well you should have been prepared mm-hmm. for it. like you should have known it was coming so in my case my dad was sick but he still died very suddenly and unexpectedly and i was not feeling a sense of calm or pre- yeah preparation for it. it totally took me by surprise and the intensity of my feelings about his death continued to take me mm-hmm. by surprise so for myself it's it's allowing myself to be like you know what this is this feels a lot worse than i could have imagined yeah. like i wasn't you know I knew about grief and loss and death and all these things before my dad died. Mm -hmm. I was still totally just blown out of the water. Um, I could not have prepared myself Mm -hmm. to feel this. Um, And so that point of like, it still is, yes, it's part of life, but it still is a type of trauma. When it happens to you and you're just like, what? So definitely that, that space of, you know, Permission and allowing and, and like you said um, you know not not feeling that the only right way or the only right state is or emotion is happiness mm-hmm. um, they're like all you know there are no bad emotions mm-hmm. really uh, they're all just human emotions whether it's anger or sadness or these things that we perceive to be negative because mm-hmm. someone has told us that they are yeah like they're just human feelings and and sometimes what helps more than anything is not sort of repressing or shoving it to the back and just being like no I've got to go on um and try to be happy but mm-hmm. actually tell like acknowledging like you know what? I feel really angry right now or today and I'm just gonna I'm going to sit with myself a bit and see, you know, what this feeling is about. Um, anger often overlies pain. Uh, it's a more sort of tangible emotion in some ways to deal with than, than pain. Um, I think the same with, like, frustration, too. It's easy to think, like, okay, I'm frustrated, so I've just got to, like, figure out what to do mm-hmm. and not be frustrated. But sometimes under that frustration is sadness. And so seeing, like, if, if there's an emotion that's actually underlying, I'm uh, sorry, overlying, like, maybe just pain and sadness and acknowledging like you know I'm feeling angry because I'm hurting Mm -hmm. and I and I haven't been able to figure out you know how to how to deal with this pain Mm -hmm. um and this is how it's coming out for me and even just understanding sometimes like where it's coming from or what it's about helps us to be a bit more gentle with ourselves and not beat ourselves up for like not being happy all Mm -hmm. the time um it's funny because so many of the things that you said people said to you, people said to me. Too. I,
0: I'm telling you, that like there's like, a handbook somewhere, yeah, of like things you I say, know, when like someone yeah, loses So
1: someone. people told I have heard that same thing of like, you. it's a choice. You can just choose to look at it, like, look at it positively. I was like, I don't, I don't, I know how I can look at my no, dad's death positively. I don't. Like, what are the good points about this? I just couldn't, it was very hard. I mean, I don't accept that point of view necessarily, but I was like, how does that even I don't make see sense? You're coming like, from, like what, <laughs> what, what, what are you trying I to say? <laughs> Super common to hear that time time heals all wounds, and time is not an automatic fix. I think that we can do and make choices um, over time, not necessarily to be happy, but to take care of ourselves, mm-hmm. which may lead to Happiness. feeling more happy. Um, but yeah, just, you know, to take care of ourselves along the way, but just on its own, like you said, you know, even in your experience of like three years, you did, were just kind of like sweeping under the rug and it hits you and then you're like oh okay (laughs) um yeah so just time itself is not gonna do it funny the thing because i also had a family member who said to me something about how when the father dies like the next relative will be the father and i was like (laughs) what (laughs) It's just
0: like, um No. Just no. Bro, just no. <laughs> so, like, like I can have, like, I can choose for myself someone who I view as a private figure. Yeah, that which will be okay, But that's, like, but it's not for you to tell me right. that there's, like, a line that's, of succession. That's a
1: really important point. When other people try to tell you, like, what your feelings are, what your feelings should be. I mean, in any setting, it's unhelpful. Yeah. Definitely in this setting, it's very <laughs> unhelpful. More annoying. Um, yeah, and that point of, like, I don't, you know, I don't exactly know where, like I think we, there is something innate in our human nature about when we see someone in pain or suffering, we want to help because mm-hmm. again, of that sort of social, you know, we're social creatures mm-hmm. and we want to look out for each other and, and it benefits yeah. us and our communities to like take care of each other. Um, but, but for whatever reason, we have this idea that taking care of each other means we fix it mm-hmm. and you generally cannot fix other people's emotions or feelings for them spots. <laughs> like
0: literally meal me
1: Hama. Thank you. <laughs> um so so not definitely not approaching, you know, your grieving friend or loved one with that idea, like, because usually what it means to fix someone in grief is to make them stop grieving. Mm-hmm. So that misses the point of like, you know, this person's relationship with this individual has lasted their whole life till now and is likely gonna continue to last their whole lifetime Mm -hmm. in some capacity so what does it even mean to like fix their like what does it mean to fix their grief or Mm -hmm. to like fix their feelings or fix their emotions um we often want to help people find the silver lining or cheerlead them out of their feelings and I'm like just don't just
2: don't (laughs) just just don't just
1: be present like just you know if they're if they're sad, if they're crying, like you know, sit beside them, just listen to them, and be there. Um, do things with them.
0: Yeah, I was literally just about to say. I think there's other ways to help that yeah. don't include saying things like "time heals all." It's like right. if you know, like if this is a friend of yours, and for example, if it was me, and you know, I like movies. Like mm-hmm. maybe take me to a movie. Like yeah. I think it has to. You have to make sure that whatever it is you're trying to do to help. Is intentional and deliberate towards that one person Mm -hmm. and not this over like this should fix everybody right exactly if it's John like what does John like if it's Tim what does Tim like like what does this one person like what do you think like can maybe get them you know to process this or maybe maybe right then they don't need to process maybe right then they just need to forget so what can you do to help them at the time, which is like right now, at like one yeah. thirty PM.
1: Right. I think it's just how do you keep being a friend? How do you keep you know in the way that we treat all of our friends individually and don't necessarily approach every issue in the same mm-hmm. way? Um, we treat our friends, you know, based on what we know about them, what they like, what we like, our interactions with each other, and sort of just keep showing up. Um, I think one of a couple of things that that can be difficult um, for you know for the other for friend who's not grieving is the grieving person might not want to do things with Mm -hmm. you it's pretty hard in some cases to be social um really intentionally social after someone's death for some people like that is you know they might go Mm -hmm. out and party a lot whether because they want to or they're just trying to like mask their feelings feelings or whatever um but a lot of cases people you know become more homebound. they Mm -hmm. don't want to go out they don't want to hang out um Partly because it's really exhausting to, <laughs> yes. uh, especially if it's people who don't necessarily understand yet what that sort of grief feels like and to feel like you have to put on a brave face mm-hmm. and because you don't want to make them feel uncomfortable yeah. because then they will feel uncomfortable because they don't know how to fix it because they think they should fix it and it's all this other so stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so finding ways to like, to keep showing up. Um, even if it means not doing some of the same, maybe, you know, maybe you were going out a lot, but how can you show up in a way, you know, like you said, okay, maybe you can't go out to a movie. What about watching a movie at home? Mm -hmm. What about going for a walk? What Mm -hmm. about cooking? Like just going over and cooking dinner for them because it's hard to remember to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, things like that and, and being willing. The other thing too, is I find is that as Often is part of processing a loss like this. Any any type of loss. Like just think about, um, you know, if you've broken up with someone or they've dumped you or whatever. Like you keep talking to your friends about it, how mm-hmm. it felt, what happened, what they said, what you said, and then the next time you see them, like you do it all over again. Yeah. And you keep doing it because it's part of processing, you know, what has happened to you, making sense of it, understanding it. You do the same thing with grief in many cases. Um, you keep talking about it. You tell this part of the story, then you tell the same part again. Yeah. Sorry, then you talk about your feelings and like. You just keep talking about it in some way or another Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and so one of the greatest things that you can do as a friend or partner to someone grieving is just to listen Mm -hmm. and to be willing to keep listening to that story over and over again um with the same attentiveness and you know the same presence and understand that that is part of how the person is processing Mm -hmm. and making sense of what has happened to Mm -hmm. them and you don't again you know because they've told you the story the fifth time or the sixth yeah. time doesn't mean you need to have an answer or like
0: give feedback. You just need to listen. I was literally just about to say that not listening to fix or listening to give an answer, but just like intentionally and deliberately listening. Mm-hmm. I think the baseline of being there for someone who's grieving, I think is the intention behind it. You just yeah. have to be intentional about yeah. actually being there. And not because it makes you feel more comfortable to be around them, but right. because it makes them, even if like just two percent feel a bit better at that yeah, Which kind of leads me to my last thought, mm-hmm. which was, is there an expiration date to grief? And it's kind of, like, I feel like we've touched about this, mm-hmm. like, during this conversation. Yeah. But then, like, I heard something the other day while I was watching a movie, and it was like, it, the person was like, I thought it would be over by now, it's just been so many years, I'm tired of feeling sad. And it made me think, like, is there a time when the pain and the sadness is just not there anymore? and it goes back to this idea of like time heals all wounds so Mm -hmm. the question for me arises like are we expected to get over our grief and just move on i don't think the pain and sadness ever goes away just in the same way that i don't think you can ever not like be in love with like you can never fall out of love with these people Mm -hmm. and i guess we have to rest in the comfort of the love of the influences on our lives and the lives of people around us um whenever like the intruder of grief comes knocking. So for me, it's like seeing the influence that my dad had on his friends and like going home over like Christmas break. Mm-hmm. Like on the one hand, it was almost like I was being confronted by it again because I hadn't been home in a couple of years. So I was seeing this space that he would have occupied in the midst of his friends which for me was like gut-wrenching because Mm -hmm. I think I moved away so I was able to like fly away from my problems but then I go back home and I'm like confronted with it so that was it was really hard to see that space
2: yeah
0: but on the other hand it was really nice to be able to hear the stories that they had of him and just like see the influence he had on people's lives Mm -hmm. and just like the memories that they still have of him so I think it's like two sides of a coin well, I think, again, it just goes back to just giving yourself permission to feel both sides of the coin yeah. and not just one or the other. Yeah,
1: yeah I think that's right.
0: Um,
1: I think that, you know, if if someone is feeling like I'm really stuck, you know, I, like I know that grief, like I'm going to always have some some amount of, of grief in my life and missing this person. And it is, it's so weird but it's strangely comforting for me to Read things that other people whose like dads have mm-hmm. died like 15 years ago, and for them to say, you know, I still miss my dad every day. Um, I uh, like it. It it's uh, like I know. I it's hard to imagine on the one hand that I, you know this is this going to be like this no for you know yeah. so many more years, but that this happens. It's not a strange thing or an unusual thing. Um, many people, you know, the world over, are grieving someone and missing them and. We also keep living like humans are amazingly resilient yeah. that we can keep going in spite of all sorts of you know losses and hardships that that we experience whether it's death or loss of some other kind. Um, I think though that if a person is feeling really stuck or distressed about the way they feel um, it is important to reach out for help to seek help whether it's even just talking with a friend and saying you know it's been one month or three years or whatever you know 15 years whatever length of time it is and I just like something doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. um hopefully you might feel comfortable doing that before you get to 15 years but like it's okay to to reach out for support in that way you know if you need something more beyond talking with your family or talking with your friends or talking with your pastor or community Mm -hmm. leaders you know if you need professional support of some kind um honestly get it ask for it you know see if there's someone who can give you a recommendation or a reference, not because grief is a medical thing, but if you are feeling like you need more help, mm-hmm. then it's not you know it's not a bad thing, it's not a shameful thing yeah. to get that additional help if that's what you need. I support that one hundred percent. Yeah. Um. And. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think that that a couple things. Oh, no, I remember. Okay. So you talked about how meaningful like how difficult it was to go home, but also how meaningful it was to hear stories of your loved one. And I think um, uh, Doug Manning would call that establishing the social significance of, of your loved one who has died. Um, knowing the mark that they leave in the world is, is really an important part of, of remembering their story and remembering how worth it, you know, how the value that they had, not just for you, but for other people, it's part of understanding their bigger legacy. And I don't think it takes away the pain, but it just helps to remember how much good they've put into the world. Mm -hmm. Um, That can be really meaningful and helpful. And some people actually incorporate things like that as part of of their ritual. I heard someone talk recently about how, like, every year on the anniversary of their parents' death, they ask, uh, you know, people who knew their parent to share stories and memories because they find it really healing, and Mm -hmm. they've actually collected them. And, you know... Um, it's one of those things that then if, if the individual, say, goes on to raise their own family, you know, they can share those memories of, mm-hmm. like, this was your grandparent, this was your yeah. uncle, or, you know, something, mm-hmm. and, and sort of keep that keep that um, legacy of memory mm-hmm. alive in the world, which is a good thing. The other thing, too, I think, is is thinking about grief not as a separate component to our lives or as an outsider, but how do we make it? part of our life in a healthy way, (laughs) Um, in a way that doesn't like totally overwhelm us, but in a way that it's not like this, because like the loss, the loss that (laughs) results in the grief, it's hard to just cut it out of your life, because you are changed in many cases so much after someone's death, Mm -hmm. um, that you cannot, at least for me, like I can't pretend that it didn't happen, Mm -hmm. and I have to think about how do I live my life um holding space for this huge what feels like a huge hole still um not pretending that it doesn't exist because mm-hmm. because it's here and so how do i integrate that experience you know the loss of my dad's death and the grief that has resulted from it um how do i how do i not if i leave it behind i'll be cutting out something really important in my life i'll be cutting out my dad mm-hmm. And that's not, I, I don't feel, at least for me, it's not a realistic way yeah. for me to approach it. So how do I integrate all the experiences, like all that it means, which is not, not just the loss, but like all things that my dad has taught me, um, and, and what I'm trying to do, how do I take that forward with me and in, in a positive way that honors him and also, you know, allows me to keep accomplishing what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I don't exactly know how to do it but I for me at least I think it's a more adaptive way to look at it than well I'm just going to leave you know half of my life yeah. behind mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. because will I be a whole person if I'm yeah. excluding you know this huge chunk of myself mm-hmm. and um in general but also in our line of work that we hope <laughs> to go into we talk a lot about authenticity and wholeness um the importance of how we integrate all of our experiences mm-hmm. the bitter and the sweet and so I think, I think that part of the work of grieving is sort of trying to come to terms with that and mm-hmm. figure out, you know what that means
0: for me as an yeah. individual, how do I do that? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with all points. I don't even think I can say that better. Um, no I can't. I definitely agree with <laughs> what you just said, which kind of leads us to our questions of the week. Mm so I have three Mm -hmm. so the first one is when dealing with grief um do you should you do you think you should go through it or around it fit into it or not and I think we kind of touched into this idea of like it's not one or the other maybe both and I guess it's just subjective but do you have any Mm -hmm. final thoughts on that
1: um yeah I I mean I agree that it might be some of both you might start from one point because it feels like that's what you can do and then realize oh and you take a different approach That's okay. Give yourself permission to change and to learn as you go and to, you know, understand or see things differently. My personal experience, not just with grief, but with other difficult emotions, was that when I tried to ignore them or repress them or deny them, they just built up and built up until they became, like, this untenable, like, unimaginable just barrage of not good stuff in my life. So I think from that and sort of understanding in hindsight, like, oh, I should have, you know... I should have let myself feel what I feel and not Mm -hmm. had this idea that emotions and feelings were bad. Um, So for me personally, I have been trying to lean more into feeling it and letting it be, you know, these are waves that they will pass over me. Mm -hmm. Um, But the ocean is big. (laughs) There are a lot of waves, so you just do your best to keep
0: swimming. Yeah, I agree. I think for me, I don't think I'm at that point where I'm particularly all right with feeding into and I think that has to do with just like how I I don't think I've actually processed it right and I I think I do need more help more so like professionally than anything else and I need to seek it but I think I grew up not necessarily like with the culture that like you go seek Mm -hmm. professional help so I think I'm still in that process of like okay I need to feed into it in some light so that I can like truly process it Mm -hmm. so I think that's that's kind of, like, my answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Can I just add a yes yeah. on the professional help? So I just want to say
1: that that's a really important consideration is our cultural background and, um, or, you know, it could be a religious background or something else. So it doesn't, I, you know, I don't mean professional only to mean, like, go see a psychologist yeah. or a psychiatrist or a counselor. I think all those th- they, those things may be helpful, mm-hmm. but it's just if, you know, if what you've been doing so far, you're not getting the results that you want then know that there may be other options available maybe it'll be something that's more specific to your culture Mm -hmm. or your community um but just know that like if you're feeling that feeling of deep sadness or being stuck or you know you're you feel unhealthy like Mm -hmm. that you know listen to that communication from yourself and talk with people about what you can do to address that or look for ways to address and just know that you don't have to stop at that point of like i feel terrible yeah so this is how it's going to (laughs) be
0: yeah and i appreciate i think we need to be able to explore all avenues yeah. professional, cultural, traditional, right. religious, like yeah. any avenue you can to, you know, get yourself through processing it in the way that you think is right for you mm-hmm. at that time is really important. Yeah. Um, so the second mm-hmm. question, yeah. I, I heard a quote on a TED talk by Albert Hubbard that the cure to grief is in motion. Mm-hmm. So finding a new destination and a trigger to move forward. Do you agree?
1: I think in some ways, yes. Um, but the thing that motion makes me think about, I remember a prof who was like, are you feeling depressed? Take a walk. I <laughs> um, <laughs> um, that, that has stuck well, with me. Yeah. Um, well, there is some... I think there are positive benefits to actual physical motion, like taking a walk, getting fresh air, putting yourself in a different space, feeling how your body feels, like actually your body, how it feels mm-hmm. um, to move. I think that... I think that timing is a, has a big role to play in terms of, like, finding a new destination, in terms of, like, a goal, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. or like, a Yeah, kind like of, like, in terms of, like, something to work towards. Right, or to work towards. Um, I think that can... People do find that really therapeutic, and it can be all sorts of things. Um, some, you know, for some people, the new destination or moving forward point is, like, for example, to go through their loved one's belongings. Yeah. And, like, clear them. Or for some people, it's a creative project. I know someone who was, like waiting for spring to plant a garden because that was something that she and her husband had loved to do and for her that was like the next physical Mm -hmm. physical point of processing um so it might be something big it might be something smaller um it is nice to have things to anticipate or look forward to i think they can help us and they can be markers um i think that we should also be mindful to not only measure progress in terms Mm -hmm. of well i got this done or i did that um Because, you know, we could be getting things done, but that does not necessarily automatically mean, I think, that we're doing the work of grieving. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like you said at the beginning, sometimes we can actually use that as a way to not deal Mm -hmm. with our feelings, which is maybe what we need to do for a while, but there may be a time when we actually have to stop focusing on accomplishing things and actually just tend to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, too. So I think, yeah, that timing thing and not... Being stuck on any single idea of this is progress again that thing like you know that thing that we think I should be better by this time. Mm -hmm. What better means to me is X, and if I don't achieve that, then I'm not better or I haven't like done the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: so yeah, I definitely agree. I think I I guess for this like every other part of grief is very subjective. So for Mm -hmm. me, like finding a new destination and a trigger to move forward is like really helpful because it, it keeps me you know moving. But at the same time, I have to realize that even in my movement, even in my motion, I have to be processing and doing the work Mm -hmm. of grieving. So I think it's kind of twofold. You have to get one part to get the other part. So that's kind of how I think of that question.
1: And maybe it comes back to that point
0: you mentioned earlier of
1: being intentional and how important it is to be intentional um, at any time. But, you know, when you're when you sort of realize that you have something going on in your life to know like okay I'm doing this but I'm why Why? Mm-hmm. what's the story yeah. behind why I'm trying to do this and just being honest with ourselves yeah. again not that it's good or bad either way but just knowing like I'm doing this I'm not doing something else this is good for me or mm-hmm. this is the choice that I'm
0: making yeah. right now and that's that's just how it is yeah um, and the last question is, again, is it just as easy as saying, I choose happiness today? And I think we kind of briefly touched on that, but any final thoughts on just this idea of choosing happiness? Because for me, it's like, I think I, I spoke about this during an episode, I can't remember mm-hmm. which one, and one of my listeners was like, oh, um, like, choosing happiness as a destination is really not even healthy because it, it, you're running towards something, but like you're not even taking the time to enjoy it. Right. Like, all the scenery that you're moving past as you're running towards this goal of happiness. Like, it's almost like an unachievable goal if Mm. you think about it. Mm -hmm. So what, like, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are. Hmm. This is a big one, a big topic.
1: Um, I think that, that it, I, I might approach it more from what are the things that bring me, that are like pleasurable or bring me enjoyment. Um, that I enjoy doing versus looking at the end result of happiness. But like, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense. I am, that's <laughs> Um, I don't know that it's always as easy as just make a choice um, to be happier, to be sad. I don't really subscribe to that point Neither of view don't. personally. I think that we can make good choices in our lives or make choices that are right for us at a certain time that help us to grow or to move closer to a certain goal or something of that nature and those things may bring us joy or happiness or bring us closer to a feeling of happiness but i i don't necessarily think that it's quite as easy as just like flip the switch yeah
0: yeah definitely i yeah i agree i don't i don't think it's just as easy as choosing happiness and i think after hearing it for so long I'm just like at this point'm like don't tell me that I don't like yeah. I don't want to hear it and I I, I kind of want to create this space where like people just don't I don't think it's a good thing to see yeah. I think it, it puts pressure on the person because it's like then if you don't choose happiness then there's something wrong with you right you're making a bad choice right. a bad person exactly I think
1: that it's it's really important any you know with any situation that anyone is going through that we look at are we minimizing are the things that we mm-hmm. say going to help this person to feel seen mm-hmm. and heard mm-hmm. and validated like are we affirming their feelings mm-hmm. or are we are we minimizing um, and I think sometimes just saying especially to a griever to just be like well you know like it's a new day you can just choose yeah. to move on and be happy to me that really minimizes that it's it's not, it's not that simple yeah, it really <laughs> isn't um, it does not make me feel, feel seen or understood mm-hmm. um, I think it's not realistic and I don't think that's the sort of benchmark that we should be yeah. judging ourselves or judging others by I agree but I think happiness is out there it might look different um after but, but there are still moments of joy and enjoyment and often they're bittersweet moments mm-hmm. I find um but uh there's still lots to appreciate and there's still a lot of good um a lot of things that you know that we can love and treasure mm mm-hmm. And sometimes that's memories, too. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so any last thoughts before we run up? <laughs> um, thank you for for having me no, join today. I think this is an incredibly important topic because we know that everybody in this world is going to face um, an experience of someone in their lives mm-hmm. dying. And, um, you know, different, I think some cultures are are maybe a bit more in touch with those rhythms of life or have better um, community supports and family supports when, when someone dies, and and know, um, you know maybe just more practiced in taking care of each other in a sort of more natural way, um, but I think in a lot of Western societies it is not, it is not on our radar. It goes unseen. Um, there's not a you know, yeah, a lot of if a lot of dying death happens and you know. A hospital or a healthcare facility or unseen places that we don't frequent or f- aren't familiar with, then we can think that it's not happening mm-hmm. around us. But everywhere you go, um, in every space you're in, there are other people who know what it's like and who have a grief story too. Definitely. And so I think creating spaces where we can talk with each other about mm-hmm. this is super important, like your podcast. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um,
0: yeah, anywhere you go. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I want to say, um, so this episode kind of, it ran kind of long, but I think I'm happy it did because I think it was very intentional, um, and deliberate about just trying to have a, again, intentional and deliberate conversation about it without having to, like, be like, oh, maybe we should only talk for 30 minutes. Because to be honest, like Olivia was saying, it's something that touches everyone. So I feel like we could have sat here for five hours and right. still had so much more to say, um, but yeah, those are those are kind of our thoughts on grief, death, and dying. So again, the questions for this week are, when dealing with grief, should you, do you think you should just go through it or around it, feed into it or not? Um, the second one was, I heard a quote on a TED Talk, and it talked about how the cure to grief is in motion. So finding a new destination and a trigger to move forward, do you agree? And the third one is, again, is it just as easy as saying, I choose happiness today? So, I want to thank Olivia so much for coming to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. And um, she. I've learned a lot through just listening to her. So, that's been amazing. Um, So, a few updates. So, I started a segment on my Instagram called Writing Reflections on the '97. So, basically, I've been on the bus a lot lately. And I find that every time I'm on the bus, I, like... It's just this time of, like, reflection and, like, thinking. Like, I just sit there listening to music and I'm just having all these thoughts about random things. So, now, like, if you see me on the bus, I'm probably on my laptop because I'm probably just, like, writing something that, like... I was like, oh, I, I kind of like this. So I just go on Instagram and I post it. So, you know, go check it out. The Instagram is 0 you are period own. So go check it out, like it, comment. Let me know what you're thinking about it. And on Twitter, I'm starting something called Thought of the Day, where basically I tweet a thought or a quote, either that I had or I heard somewhere from a TV show or something. So also, please like my Twitter page. Um, it's 0 you are own. Um And that's basically all I have for this week. Um again shout out to Olivia she's awesome (laughs) you're welcome shout out to you I appreciate you uh this week don't forget to be unapologetically intentional please like or subscribe and let me know what you're thinking thank you and god bless